We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. As you remain standing with me, if you would turn very quickly to the book of Hebrews. I want to read for you just a couple of scriptures this morning before you're seated. Amen. I want to read for you uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and beginning in verse 14. Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14. Amen. The Bible says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as are we yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This morning I will continue my series in the high priest of Hebrews. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your power. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what we feel in this house. I ask you now, Lord, that you would just speak to us through your word, that you would grow us, that you would mature us, that you would lead us, you would guide us. We ask you now, Lord, that you would speak to us and help us in this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The church said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you again for being at Bible study this morning. Last week I began a series in the book of Hebrews. And um, I, I began that series, I prefaced that series by talking about um, how uh, a lot of uh, oneness, um, apostolic people, um, we, we like to pick and choose the things that we will read from the book of Hebrews due to the fact uh, that we are very oneness and we believe there's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, amen. And, uh, and, and, and we hold true and we hold true to that and we believe that. But because the book of Hebrews is written in such a way that talks a lot about the Son of God, um, the Son and the Father, and how the Son of God, Christ Jesus, was our, is our high priest. This is basically what the book of Hebrews is about. It leads a little bit to confusion in the oneness movement or oneness concept or oneness construct of thinking. I believe if you read the Bible from beginning to end, you can make no other assumption that there is but one God. Amen. Um, however, uh, I preface this whole lesson um, by reading for you um, from the book of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'll read that again uh, for you today. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And I'll begin in verse, uh, I'll begin in verse 3, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I want you to uh, go there with me uh, be, be, because I believe this is very important. Uh, this is very important for us as oneness believers to understand this construct of who Jesus is, what Jesus is, what duties he performs, who he is to us, and why we believe that Jesus, Jesus is the almighty God robed in flesh. 
And when we say that, we mean that we believe that God in field, lived in, walked in, inside of Jesus. He was robed in flesh. And that flesh is going to be brought an understanding to us in 1 Timothy 2. Watch for 1 Timothy 2, chapter, 3, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. All men, it is the will of God that all men will be saved and will understand the truth. What is the truth? He's going to tell us what the truth is in verse 5. For there is one God. Somebody said amen. And one mediator. The one God and one mediator. So, so, so these are two separate things. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, between God and us. There's someone in between God and us. What is it? It is the man, Christ Jesus. The flesh, the flesh of that man stands between us and God. The, the, the flesh that Jesus walked in, the flesh that God in, 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 in field and walked in, the perfect man, the Bible will call him the perfect lamb, also will call him the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. He is our perfect sacrifice, and he is also our high priest. And so as we begin to read the book of Hebrews, you have to keep this in mind, keep this construct in front of you, because as you read it, you begin to see what beautiful benefits we have as children of God, Christ being our head, amen? And he, he is our mediator, that, that when I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. When I need, the Bible said, Jesus told his disciples, he said, if you ask anything in my name, the Father will give it to you because you asked it in my name. He's not, Jesus is not trying to separate himself from the Father. It, this is the flesh speaking. Amen? This is the man, the lamb, the sacrifice. When you begin to see the Bible in this way, and, and I, I've decided to teach this lesson and, and bring understanding to the word of God because when you see the word of God in this way and you understand this construct of there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, that man, that flesh, Christ Jesus, when you begin to see the Bible in this way, it becomes completely open to you. And when you read things when Jesus is saying, I go to my father, and when, you see, and when you see Jesus talking about himself, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I and the Father are one. When you see these different constructs in the New Testament, it doesn't blow your mind. And you're like, well, what is he talking about here? Because I thought he was God. He is God. But the flesh of that man is the lamb. That's the perfect son of God. The man that slept, the man that ate, the man that was beaten, was wounded for our transgressions. He bled. You can't cut God. Amen. Because God is a spirit. He has no blood. But the blood of Jesus was the blood of God because Jesus is the perfect lamb of God. And so when we begin to study the book of Hebrews, it becomes clear to us and we understand that Jesus has become our high priest. Here's what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 4. He says, seeing then that we have a high priest that is passed into heaven, into the heavens. Jesus has passed into heaven. Jesus, the son of God. Amen. The flesh, the man, let us hold fast our profession. For we, we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with our infirmities. When, when, when we pray in Jesus' name and we pray, Lord, I've been wounded, I've been hurt, I've been broken, I've been betrayed, Jesus understands all of that because he, in all points, was tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin, the perfect lamb. Let us, therefore, me and you, can come boldly 
why can we come boldly before the throne of grace? We can come boldly because Jesus knows, understands what we are going through. Because he was tempted in all ways like as we so we can come boldly into that, into that throne room. We can ask him for mercy. We can ask him for grace. And we can ask him for help in time of need. Watch this, Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to continue on now. Uh, I kind of laid that construct from the, from the first lesson. Let me move on now. Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. For, for, the, for the high priests that were taken among men, the, 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 the ones who were called out from among men, and this is you know, basically referencing Aaron and the Levitical priesthood, they uh, are ordained for things in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. You see, when, when, when Aaron went before God, Aaron was, was ordained in the things that pertaineth to God, and he would offer gifts, and he would offer sacrifices for sin, and he, could, he that, that, that priest, Aaron, and those that would follow him, would have compassion on the ignorant. He would have compassion on the ones who were sinners. You know why? Because he himself also is compassed with infirmity. He's like, I'm a man. And I understand the construct of men. I understand I'm, I'm, I, I also fail. I also come short of the glory of God. And so as that priest would enter into that, that place, he would offer sin. And, and watch verse 3. It's going to clear it up for us. And by reason hereof, he ought for as the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. When that high priest came in, he not only offered for the people, but he also offered for himself. I'm also a sinner. I also need God. I'm also a, a breaker of the law. And so as I'm coming in with this blood from the sacrificial table, I'm not coming in here to say, Lord, help them. I'm coming here to say, Lord, help us. Right. Amen. Amen. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Now you're going to realize that Hebrews is always going back to, you know, Exodus and Leviticus. The, the writer of Hebrews is making a complete construct of when the people of God were delivered from, from Egypt to go and begin to serve God. And the uh, origination of the law, where we get the law, he's connecting these two things. He's comparing this. This is a type and shadow of what Jesus is going to do. Okay? He's comparing this moment to, to our current moment now. And he says in verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest. But he said unto, unto him, thou art my son today, have I begotten thee? And he saith also in, in, in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he, was offered up, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Let's watch verse eight, verse seven and eight here. What, 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 let's watch verse seven and eight. Let's go back to verse seven. I want to show you this. Who in the days of his flesh, this is talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, who in the days of him walking on the earth, who in the days of his humanity, when, when he lived among us, when God manifested himself in the flesh, dwelt among us in those days, 
when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Here it is, because here's the construct. I'll tell you, this is the question you get in the Garden of, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Who was Jesus praying to? If there is but, you know, one God and Jesus is that God, who was Jesus praying to in the garden? Thank God for Hebrews. Hebrews is going to show us it. And it, it, it was the flesh, the flesh praying to the spirit. He, he was crying tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. The, the disciples heard him. He said, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. He was praying to the spirit, the only thing that could save him. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to face this thing. I don't want to die. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Watch verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Whew, that's good. That the, the, the flesh, the man, the man gave way to the spirit. I gave way to your will, oh God. I don't want to do this, but I give way to your will. And by doing so, by giving way to what God wanted him to do, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, those things that he suffered made him perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, our high priest of Hebrews. Amen. I love the book of Hebrews because it really clears a lot of things up for us and it brings us understanding that the flesh, this man, Jesus, who is our perfect lamb that we call on, that we preach about, that we sing about, that we love, he died for us. He was a man like as we, right? So, so here's the religion of, of, of um, holy flesh or, or uh, uh, the, 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 the concept of, of flesh that is deity, that, that Jesus was, was, was God all the way through and, and he, he was not really a man, but he, he was just God. And that, that doesn't connect with the word of God. That's not biblical. Because he was a man. Listen, if Jesus was not a man, if Jesus didn't feel like we feel, then we're done for. Right? If Jesus could not be tempted but turned down the temptation, then what, what hope do we have? Right? But Jesus was a man like as we. He was human. And in, this, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I've preached this so many times before. I mean, we have a ministry here called the Gethsemane Ministry because of what I believe from that moment in Gethsemane, one of the most beautiful moments in the Bible, we see humanity fighting with spirit. Not really fighting as we would fight, but, but, but a, a contradiction of his own self. This is showing us that this was a lamb who did not want to go to slaughter. He shows his humanity and he prays a difficult prayer. I don't want to do this. If there's any way that I can get around this, let this cup pass from me. But then in the same moment of him giving his heartfelt prayer that he doesn't want to do this, he also prays in the same moment, not my will, but thy be done. It gives us a beautiful example of how we can come to God and say, Lord, 
there's some things in, that you are asking me that I, I'm struggling with, but I will struggle with those things because it's not what I want, but it's what you want. And in those moments, we learn obedience by what we suffer. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need uh, have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. You want to know what's good and evil? Use the word. Watch what he says. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use, he's talking about the word, by reason of use have their senses exercised. Yeah. When you get the Holy Ghost, God doesn't give you all things. You need to exercise all those things. By reason of exercise, to discern both good and evil. If you want to know if something's good for your life, exercise in the word. If you want to know if something's evil for your life, exercise in the word. Because it is that exercise in the word that gives us discernment. I discern this because it's not matching up with what the word of God said. Now, so from Genesis, from Hebrews 1 to the end of Hebrews 5, this is the author of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, He's teaching us who Christ is. Christ is our high priest. He, he has entered into the heavens now, the, the lamb slain. He's entered into the heavens. He stands in between us and God. He's our mediator, the, the, the human, the flesh, the man, Christ Jesus, stands in between us and God. He's our, he's our high priest. He's entered into that throne room to offer for us the blood of our sin. And he says, now, you need to understand this because what I'm teaching you is meat. But if you need milk, you need to go back. Amen. Welcome to Sunday morning Bible study where we, where we, where we eat meat. This is the meat of the word. So he's saying, if, if you don't understand this, this is meat. You need meat. But, but, if, but, but if you need milk, you need to kind of go back. So watch, watch how he begins chapter 6, orthodoxy, orthopraxy. This is why I believe Paul wrote. Hebrews, because he shifts concepts right in the middle of the, of the book. So he says this, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Uh, put uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 up, uh, because I want to see you. I, I, I want us to see that, that, that from, from chapter 1 of Hebrews to chapter 5 of Hebrews, he's been teaching us the doctrine of Jesus Christ. This is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the flesh of man has entered into the heavenlies now to be our high priest. That's the doctrine of Christ. He said, but leaving those principles, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead or, and of eternal judgment, and this will I do if God permit. He's saying, listen, I'm, I've been teaching you about who Jesus is. But we're going to move on now. We're not going to lay again. You should already know the foundation of repentance of dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms. What's the doctrine of baptisms? There's only two baptisms in the Bible. Baptism of repentance and the baptism of the name of Jesus Christ. 
That's it. And the doctrine of baptisms is now the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is better than the baptism of repentance. We see those two baptisms in Acts chapter 19. Those are the doctrines of baptisms. And of laying on of hands. We know the, the, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Any sick among you, let them call on the elders. They shall lay hands on them. They shall recover. Paul laid hands on them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And of resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. And this will we do. We'll, we'll do all these things if God permits. We're not, we're not going back and laying all these foundations again. I'm, I'm bringing you out of milk and I'm bringing you into meat. We're not going to go back and, and lay all this down again. Amen. Some people will read this and say, well, you know, that's over. We don't, we don't have to do repent and we don't have to faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, we, you know, because all that's done. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is, Paul is not saying we don't need these things. He's saying these things are elementary. We over here fighting about baptisms and repentance. And Paul, say, Paul the, the writer, Paul, I believe, is saying those things are elementary. That's, that's, like, that's like beginning. That's like kindergarten. We're come, come over here. Come over here with us. Because we're going to do all those things of God permitted. We need all those things. We need repentance. We need baptism in the name of Jesus. We need the filling of the Holy Ghost, the laying on of hands. We need all that. We, we understand about eternal judgment. Like, we get that, and we're moving on. Here's what we're going to move on to. For it is impossible, verse 4, for those who have once enlightened, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Whoo, that's good. He, and and, and he, he's going to go somewhere here, but, but let me just stop here for a second and tell you that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you are tasting of the world to come. You're just getting a nibble. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah, yeah. He said, it is impossible for those who are once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, this right here ought to go ahead and kill all that once saved, always saved. All right, we good on that? That's just, these scriptures right here, this is not... Once saved, no, 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 no. You can get the Holy Ghost, baby, and turn away from it. And if you turn away from it, this word right here, this meat, this is meat now. We, we, we left milk, and we're going on to steak and potatoes now, okay? We, we, if, if, you, if you have received the Holy Ghost, you've been enlightened, you had revelation, and you turn from that, and you say, oh, that ain't real. The Lord said, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It is impossible to renew you. This is what we call the unforgivable sin in the Bible. The only sin in the Bible that we believe is unforgivable by, by reason of, of, of theology and concept is that, is that you, you, um, you would take the Holy Ghost and you would blaspheme it. You would blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You would say, it's not real. You would say, oh, I was enlightened. I spoke in tongues. I received it. But man, this is a bunch of food. This is hogwash. That's blaspheming. And, and verse number four through number six of Hebrews chapter six gives us an understanding of what blasphemy looks like. It's for those that have been enlightened, tasted it, received it, got it, knew it was good, tasted that good word of God, had, had a, a glimpse into the world, the things of the world to come and fall away. Here's what you do. You crucify him again and you put him to an open shame. Watch verse seven. For the earth with drinketh in the rain the earth with drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs and meat from, for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessings from God. 
but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shown toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to full assurance of hope until the end. But ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing, more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in that which it was impossible for God to lie, we have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He said, look, I'm, let me explain this whole thing to you because I just read a lot and some of y'all are like, what? I don't, I don't, they say, let, me, let me give you a summary of what he's saying. He's saying, if you have tasted it, you've, you've been enlightened, and you turn from it, you can't enter into that rest. You, 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 you're going to miss it. He said, but, 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 but we know. We have prayed for better things for you. We understand. If you don't get it all right, I mean, Moses and Abraham had to endure. They had to have patience on waiting for God to bring that to them. He, what, what he's saying is, even if you don't stay absolutely perfect, you still have a hope. He's saying, wait on the Lord, just like Abraham waited. And in that time that Abraham waited, he made mistakes and he failed, but he never turned on God. He's saying, if you make mistakes, you, you, you come short, you, you don't live up to the full you know, thing that you think you should be living up to, you need to be patient and hold on. Don't turn away. That's what he's saying. Don't turn away. Abraham did not get the promise until he was an old man, but he never turned away. You know why? Because he, he had hope. But we have hope. We have an anchor for our soul. And, 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 and here's the anchor, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. Jesus is already entered. He's the forerunner, the, the man, the flesh, is already entered. He's the forerunner, and he's been made our high priest. Our hope is our anchor. Our hope is in Jesus. Now, now, this, this lesson today ought to make a whole lot of scriptures come alive to you. And also ought to make a whole lot of songs come alive, uh, alive to you. You know, we sing about our hope is in Jesus. Well, that's just not a song we wrote because things rhyme. No, my hope is in Jesus. My, my hope is in him. I, there's no way I can be perfect, but I can be patient. Amen? There's no way that I can always be right, but I can always fight. 
there's no way that I can live up to the perfect man, Christ Jesus. But it's okay because the perfect man, Christ Jesus, is my mediator. Amen. He, he's talking for me. Ooh, hallelujah. And he's my anchor. I'm anchored in him. I'm not anchored in, in myself. I'm not anchored in my works. I'm not anchored in my strength. I'm not anchored in the denomination. I'm not anchored in this church. I'm anchored in Jesus. Jesus is my anchor. Amen? Listen, if you put your anchor in me, I'm going to fail you. If you put your anchor in this church, I'm going to fail you. If you put your anchor in an organization, it will fail you. If you put your anchor in money, success, popularity, power, position, if you put your anchor in that, it's going to let you down. It will not get you where you need to be. But if you put your anchor, your hope, if you put it in Jesus, he's already entered in. Yeah, Jesus is our high priest. He, he, and he goes on in, verse, in chapter 7. Um, I got a few more minutes here. In chapter 7, he begins to un, uh, explain why he keeps calling. He, 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 he explains why he keeps calling Jesus the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He says in here, chapter 7, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham also gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. This is who Melchizedek was. Now, there's a whole nother concept about who Melchizedek really is and how this all plays out. I don't got time for all that. Just listen to the scripture. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of his spoils. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people, according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithe of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, here on earth, men that die receiveth tithe. But there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may say, as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes, the ministry that receiveth tithe, paid tithe in Abraham. Amen. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he whom things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Like, like if you're following this along, Jesus should have come from the order of Aaron, right? Because if he's going to be our high priest, if Jesus is the high priest of, of, of Hebrews, then he should be of the order of the Levitical priesthood. And, 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 and just so you're wondering, like, why is he talking like this? The answer to that question is in the title of this book. 
What is the title of this book? Hebrews. Okay. If the book of Romans was written to the church where? In Rome. And the book of Corinth was written to the uh, church in Corinth. And, and the book of Timothy was, was written to Timothy. Who do you think the book of Hebrews was written to? Hebrews. So if you're a Gentile reading this, which we are, <laughs> welcome. If you're a Gentile reading this, you're like, what is he talking about? But if you're a Hebrew, you know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking in Hebrew language. This is why I believe Paul, another reason why I believe Paul was the writer of this. See, because Paul was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. So not only is he able to talk, he's able to talk both those languages. Now, it's the same language, but what I'm saying is he's able to speak in both those worlds. And he's writing this to Hebrews because they, he's reaching for the Hebrew people to bring them over. And so he's writing in their construct, in their context of thinking. And he's telling them, it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, which the Hebrews would go, yeah, yeah, what's, what's up with that? Because Judah has no priest in it, right? No priest. And it is yet far more evident, verse 15, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of carnal, right? Okay, so who made Melchizedek a priest in the Old Testament? Who, where did he come from? Because God did not institute priests until they were in the desert. And here's what God said. God said, I will make you an exchange. On the night you put the blood on the doorpost, you sanctified the firstborn to me. He said, but now I will trade you out. I will give you back the firstborn if you give me Levi, the priest, and, and Aaron and his sons. You give me them as my priest. You can have the firstborn back. Because when you put that blood on the doorpost, you gave me the, the firstborn. Yeah. yeah. But I need priests. And so that blood that you swore an oath with me and sanctified the firstborn, I'm going to swap you out. I'm going to take the, the sons of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, I'm going to take that. And so now he, he, he makes a priesthood under the law. But Melchizedek was before the law. So that's why he's comparing Jesus to Melchizedek. Because if Jesus was a priest under the law, woo, if Jesus was a priest under the law, he would have to come from the tribe of Levi. But he comes from the tribe of Judah. He was made, watch verse 16. He was made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Whoo. He, he was not made by your commandments. He was made by the power of an endless life, the power of God. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment. I disannulled the commandment going before the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath. For this, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. 
And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, have an un unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that came unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know what he's saying? He's saying that Jesus had to come from another tribe. He had to be made a priesthood under the carnal law so that he could save us that live under the carnal law. If Jesus was a priest of the Levites, then only the Hebrews could be saved. But because he was made from the tribe of Judah, un not under a carnal law, but 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 not, not made under the law of Moses, not made under the law of the Old Testament, but made a New Testament, a better testament. Now everybody can come for such a high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the peoples, for this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests, which have infirmity. The law, it makes men high priests that have sin. It makes men high priests that are, that are susceptible to all types of temptation and all types of rule. And we see this happen. We see this happen in the New Testament when all the ones who came from the Levi are now Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, and they're looking at the Messiah in the face and they can't see him. But the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who was consecrated forevermore. Now all the things which I've spoken, chapter 8 verse 1 and I'm closing with this. Chapter 8 verse 1. Now all the things that I've spoken, everything that I've been saying, this is the sum of it. Put on the screen for me, Hebrews 8 and verse 1. Now, everything that I've been talking about, this is the sum. It's what I've been trying to say. We have such an high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished. It's so good. Of God, when he was about to make the tabernacle, for, for, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now we have obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Not, not, not by that covenant. Because they continue not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them in, the, not on tablets, I will put it in their mind. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor 
and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, A new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. That's what I've been trying to say. What I've been trying to say is, that Jesus has entered into the tabernacle not made with hands. And everything that Moses did in the, in the wilderness, he had to do it exactly by the pattern because everything he did was a type and shadow of what's in the heavenlies. Every, that's why you, you, can't, you can't go outside the borders and the parameters of what I'm telling you to build because it is exactly like it is in the heavenlies. Is it to scale? I don't know. Bible doesn't uh, tell us this exactly, but here's what you have to know, that in the heavens right now, there is a tabernacle, not made with hands. And in that tabernacle, there is a priest serving. And his sacrifice in that tabernacle is himself. And the blood of that sacrifice in that tabernacle is his own blood. And he's, he, he's functioning in the role of the Levitical priesthood, but he's not from the Levitical way because the Levitical way was a carnal commandment. It's what y'all had to have at the time to get you right. But we don't need that anymore. There is a new covenant now. There is a new high priest. Amen. And his name is Jesus. And he has entered in once, not, not every day, but he's entered in once to make sacrifice not for himself first and then the people, but to the people. And he has washed away every sin, every shame, and all you have to do is call on his name today and he will fill you. Oh yeah, but he doesn't only want to fill you, he also wants to seal you. And so if you've never been baptized in his name, you need to get baptized in his name. Because it is in his name that every demon would flee and every mountain would have to bow. It is in the name of Jesus that diseases have to leave. You know why? Because it was Jesus who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. Yes. Hallelujah. Hmm. I can't wait to get into more of it. Can't wait to get into more. Stay with me because if you don't stand, I'm going to keep on going. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.